welcome back to the Amplified Word, brought to you by Christ Episcopal Church in Dayton, Ohio. It's a conversation and a deeper look at the lessons for the upcoming Sunday from the Women's Lectionary by Will Gaffney. We invite you to come along as we lift up the women of the Word. Today's lessons come from Tobit, chapter 13, verses 11 through 17, Psalm 22, verses 23 through 31, 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, and the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 4, verses 18 through 25. Today's lessons help to demonstrate the power of names. We are each called Each of us is called to participate in building the reign of peace that God has in store for us. We hear about the power of names in the psalm and then in the gospel when Jesus calls the apostles James, Simon, Andrew by their name. Each of us is invited to participate in the life of Christ, in the life of the church. And today's lessons help us to keep in mind that everyone is called, whether their names go said or unsaid, and invites us to name those who might be overlooked. Welcome back to this week's session of the Amplified Word. I'm the rector of Christ Church, Peter Holmeyer. I'm the parish programs assistant, Mary Jane Plody. Glad you're with us. It's good to be here. And I think I'd like to start actually, Mary Jane, by I think we want to talk about how God names us today. Mm-hmm. And I want to say also as a part of the naming, and this might be something we actually talk about, and this would be a nice specific example, is that Your name, your titles with your own names have changed very recently. It's interesting to me that you choose to introduce yourself as the program's assistant, for that is true. But I want to give you thanks and give congratulations to you for this change where you also are now a postulant for holy orders. Yes, yes. I am very excited to be continuing my process with the Diocese of Southern Ohio discerning um, ordination to the priesthood. And I am still the program's assistant here, so wearing a couple of hats. Um, and so it is exciting. It, it's very exciting to imagine that for myself. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you. And this is really wonderful news, in my opinion, for the church and for the work of the reign of God in the world. And this example, even of your own name expanding, I mm. mean, that's not really, your name is still Mary Jane, but yet the ways we have titles are also a part of naming. I think we'll talk about that a little more in our next session when we're going to talk about the names of God. But really this week, we want to talk about the power of how we name ourselves or how we're named by God. Yes. And here this is, a great example of how that power of naming 
continues to expand and change, you didn't stop being the program's assistant. Correct. Still here. <laughs> but there's this extra title yes. that's sort of in the mix for you as well at this point. Yeah, absolutely. As we know ourselves more, as God reveals more about ourselves and God's self and our relationship, our names can change. Our relationship with God is not stagnant. It's always changing as we grow and learn. And names are a wonderful way to sort of express what is changing, how it's evolving. You know, I'm sure the first time that you introduced yourself as the Reverend Peter Homeyer, that was different. That was a marking of a new, that's an outward expression, I should say, of a change that's happened in your relationship with God and your relationship with the church. So it's exciting. Yeah, you're right about that. I believe that, of course, often what it's a trailing piece in institutions, the changing of names. Mm. But the power of naming as God uses it with us is more often on the other side of the equation. It's in an invitation into yes. something deeper. Uh, so, uh, you know, a, a very sort of simplistic example, but I think it's helpful for me at least to think about it this way is, you know, when your full name gets used by your mother, <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's no. the power of names in there for sure, right? Right. You yeah. know, I mean, that's, that's a moment when you know you better be paying attention. Yeah. And yeah. there's going to be some correction. <laughs> yes. There's going to be some change. Yes. There's going to be a place where there's going to be a expectation of a different set of behaviors mm. that happens in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, call, one of the things that often we do when we want someone's real attention is we stop saying general pronouns. You, right? Mm-hmm. He, she. Um and we start saying their name, yes. the name of the person. Mm-hmm. Or we even have nicknames for the person. Right, yeah. And how those evolve. And those you know, are different depending on your relationship with an individual. There are some people who call me by one nickname that no one else does. Right. Um, there's an intimacy that you can have and, and feeling really known by someone when they use maybe a different name for you. And that that is certainly powerful. And Jesus has called his own followers, which we'll get to in the text, by a name. And I think that's really a wonderful example of how we should call one another, how we should treat one another, is by using their name not just being a general sort of, hey, you, um, but inviting each individual by name into this work of the reign of God, of, of bringing peace into the world. And yeah, I think it's it's something that maybe gets overlooked sometimes. It's just how impactful our own name is. It's a way for something which is general mm-hmm. to become internalized, and uh, life-affirming, and also maybe be expressed in, God is inviting us into the expression of it 
that is uniquely our own. So again, to use the example we just used of this wonderful change in your institutional sort of mm. titling and naming, where now you might, in many, in some cases, start using the term postulant for yourself. It is Mary Jane the postulant. So it's not just, mm. oh, here's what a, a general postulant looks like. Right. But here's what God is calling this person who has a very specific history into whatever that looks like, who is Mary Jane. Mm -hmm. And you were mentioning earlier, and I really appreciated this, and I'll like to listen to you around this, we all already experienced this inside the church with our baptism. Yeah. Yes, it's such a beautiful thing, uh, whether you're baptized as an infant, like is most traditional in our church, or baptized as an adult, there is the question of, what is your name? You know, asking the parents, what name do you give your child? Right. And there are so many you know, moments that that calls us back to in scripture of the naming of Jesus, the naming of John, the Baptist, you know, all of those wonderful and powerful images. But it's this particular invitation for me, Mary Jane, to be welcomed into the body of Christ, for you, Peter, to be welcomed into the body of Christ uh, as a person with your own gifts, your own talents, your own dreams, welcoming you into the the life of faith and the like we talked about last week the commitment that will be made either on your behalf or by you to live out that that calling and you're doing it by your name as yourself right uh, that is so powerful and it's so beautiful i love that we get to do that yeah i i that's really important and fairly standard fun foundational important christian uh faith theology mm -hmm. that god calls us by name one of the things that i'm looking forward to exploring with you in the second half of today's session is part of Gaffney's work with what she's done with this lectionary is helped us recognize that a number of folks aren't named. And so mm -hmm. that creates an implication that because they are not named specifically, that somehow their relationship to God is different, diminished, mm. less, less important. There's a wonderful quote that Dr. Gaffney has from oh, an earlier work. I'm not going to have to paraphrase it here, but she says, I know that the God who calls those by name does not love them more than the names of those who have been silenced. Yes. And so Reach. part of what we're doing here with this work is not simply reminding ourselves of the sort of foundational, important cornerstone pieces of our faith journeys, which are that we are named by God individually, mm -hmm. called into an expression of that, that looks like ourself inside a framework of faithful people across time and space. Mm -hmm. But to continue to look for the spaces where there has been silence, 
where those who could have been named have not been named. And so I'm excited for this work and for our conversation today and for this entire season to keep looking at the ways that she and we don't let go of that foundational work, but continue to invite and expand those who are included inside of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so much that is left unsaid, and that's where the work really is. Um, at least for me, that's where I had a lot of work to do. So we'll, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to take a deep dive look here at the text and unpacking some of these names. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the second half of our discussion here today. And we're talking about calling. We're talking about the power of names. And we'll get to the gospel because I think that is really where we see this played out so clearly, Peter. But in sure. the psalm for today. Right, Psalm 22. Um, psalm 22, that first verse that we have for today, which is verse 23, Gaffney has done something really interesting in pointing out some lineage. So again, we're getting this traditional pull of, you know, where do we come from? These are the people we come from. But we're going to name specific people, which we haven't had since Advent. We've not named anyone in particular, you know, when we talk about lineage, when we talk about female um, people. Um, and here we have Leah, Rachel, Billa, Zilpha. These are particular people, Rebecca's line. Um, and I'm just curious your thoughts on that, Peter. What, what, what are you thinking about when you see that? How, how is that different than what we've had in the past? Or what's unique about that? Gaffney's doing a number of different things with gender in here. One that we've seen multiple times already, and where there's a personification of the city of Jerusalem, Zion, yes. where every time, it, because it's feminized, she makes sure to include daughter or sister or her in there mm -hmm. to help bring up this general sense of it. But what she's doing in the psalm here today looks more like what happened in Advent 3 with the lineage of Jesus, whereas instead of following the patrilineal line, it follows the matrilineal line. And this relates exactly to creating ex specific examples of using names and names of those who typically would get left mm -hmm. out of the text to remind us that we are all called. I think it's really a wonderful way to lean into this idea that there's power in hearing our own name. Yeah, definitely. The, the impact of that one particular Isaiah reading, which we heard on Epiphany Sunday, arise daughter, shine daughter, 
the impact that I talked about, you know, in, in feeling seen, right. feeling heard, yes. and, and feeling like I was a part of that reading, that's not lost when you name someone particular. And it, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's almost amplified. I, I want to know who these women are. Right. You know, I, I know a lot about the 12 male apostles who followed Jesus around. We know a lot about them. Well, we know more what than, their, some more their than jobs others. were. Right, some more than others, you know. <laughs> James the Lesser is still one of those people. There's not a whole lot of information his, about him. His PC rolls around, you're like, what are we talking about? <laughs> Who is this guy again? But but I feel like I know those those characters in these stories. Sure. And yet, I don't feel like I really know much about Leah or Rachel. I know enough to sort of say like, oh, yeah, that's who the line of Jacob comes from, like, yeah. oh, I know them in relation to their male counterpart, right? But being able to name them in this psalm, I think lifts them up and it emphasizes that we each play a role in God's salvation for all of us. Each individual has a role. Gaffney hasn't offered us that easy out about who they are. Yeah. So, you know, if, as a matter of fact, she's turned the model on its head, where if there's somebody worth knowing something about in those relationships, it's the woman mm. in the two of them. It gives them an independence of thought, an independence of action, and it really emphasizes their own personal relationship of being called by name and, be, and in a, having an encounter that's individual and personalized with God. Mm -hmm. We should talk a little bit about the gospel. We should, yes. And what we have here is this cycle's example. You see this actually, I believe, in all four gospels. But we have a really foundational element of the early church and relationship to God and what Jesus is about, where Jesus as the revelation that relates to the season of epiphany mm -hmm. of God is this calling of the apostles by name. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> all of these names are men. Yes. Would you say that's something you had a lot of awareness around earlier in your life, Mary Jane? I don't think really I would have had much awareness of it. I remember as a kid, you know, learning the names of the 12 and like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> right. What about the other ones? Hang on a minute. Wait, what? And as a child, I'm fortunate to say that I, I grew up very aware of the women who were around Jesus. Right. You know, I had teachers. I had parents who would talk about Martha and Mary and the other Mary and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so I, I had awareness of that there were women in these stories, but I didn't really know them. I don't know anything about them yeah. until I'm older and I'm searching for myself in these stories. Mm -hmm. And then you realize how many are left out. The apostles with a capital A, apostles mm -hmm. are known mm -hmm. as these 12 men who, um, depending on what you do with Judas, there could be 13 of them, um, as a matter of fact. But 
how do you differentiate, or is it important to differentiate between the apostles and the disciples? I, well, I guess I want to say this about that first. One thing to remember about the Gospels is that these are an abbreviated version of what was happening inside of the world where Jesus lived with these folks. Mm -hmm. They certainly they could not possibly. It's the storytelling. You can't capture every element right. of what happened. Mm -hmm. Jesus certainly knew the names of the women who traveled with him. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And certainly there were women who were traveling with him. And at the very least, because someone had to cook for these men. <laughs> and that's just reality. Well, it's also clear that they also uh, supported them materially. Oh, yes. Financially, well. yeah. materially, absolutely. There were women who financed uh, Jesus's ministry and the ministry of his followers. I think... I don't know if I personally care if there's a distinction between the capital A apostles, the yes, those men that are named, and the rest of Jesus's followers. I don't know that I really that it matters to me. Yeah, I know that there were more. Yes, I think the naming of them is historically important because. You know, the apostles go out and build what will become the Christian church. Right. And so it's important to be able to name them because someone somewhere was baptized by so-and-so or was a member of the community that James led or that Peter led. They followed the apostles around um, in, in the early Christian church. So the names are significant from history historical perspective, I think from a spiritual perspective, I'm going to lean into what Dr. Gaffney says about the unnamed are not loveless. Right. They aren't any less significant. Yeah. And I'm going to trust that God is just as powerful and uh, present with the unnamed. Yes. One of the other things that Gaffney does regularly in these texts, and I think this relates, is rather than talk about the kingdom of God, which is one of mm -hmm. the things that Jesus often mentions, she changes that translation of kingdom into realm mm -hmm. in an attempt to do, I think, the same kind of thing we're talking about, about disciples or discipleship rather than the apostles. Mm. The apostles are really a subset of the disciples. Right. There's a much larger set of disciples. We know for a fact there must be at least 70 or 77 of them based on texts where they get sent out, but that's not even the whole set of them. True. And that the kingdom of God is really a subset of God's reign, God's realm in the world. We have a king, we tend to think of a kingdom as being having set boundaries, mm -hmm. set rulers, set structures, and unfortunately, often historically, because of their tie to a very patriarchal system, that that has looked like something that has included uh, brutality, 
-hmm. It has included a way of um, inflicting pain on others as a mm -hmm. way of protecting yourself. But oppression, that the, marginalization. oppression, marginalization, exactly. But that the realm or reign of God is a way not of eliminating the kingdom of God, but trying to get at the heart of what God is calling us into, mm. which is something bigger than so what we've seen more. before. Yeah. And so while we are called by name, we are also called to imagine that the kingdom of God, as much as it is a reign, is larger than the United States is, than what God desires for the world. And that our own calling in baptism and in our other relationships by name does not preclude or exclude others, but is a place where we can listen and instead invite others to hear their names heard as well. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Amplified Word. To learn more about the Women's Lectionary by Will Gaffney and our year-long formation programs, Women of the Word, we invite you to visit our parish website, DaytonChristEpiscopal.com.